You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. 3CR is about community and we welcome your participation at the station. 3CR is open to a wide diversity of volunteers and is a great way to connect with Melbourne's activist community. Have you ever thought about volunteering, doing a reception shift, getting a program on air, training in radio skills or contributing to one of the station's committees? There are many ways to be involved at 3CR. To find out more, go to 3cr.org.au and get in touch. Destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia courtesy of the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano. This program is coming to you from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne. That's 3CR in Melbourne. I'd like to thank the Community Radio Network for broadcasting the Anarchist World this week during 2023, and I look forward to working with them in 2024. We will continue having programs for the 52 weeks of the year, the last week of uh, the year, and also the first week of 2024. So you can continue to get your fix of Anarchist World this week unless you've got a family do you need to go to. But fortunately, Christmas Day is on Monday and New Year's Day is on Monday. So the Anarchist World this week is on Wednesday unless you're listening to it at another time courtesy of the Community Radio Network. Now, as I said, my name's Joseph Toscana. If you're wondering what anarchy is all about, no, it's not what's, what's happening in the Gaza or the Ukraine. Anarchos is without rulers. It's a society without rulers, not without rules. What gives rulers the ability to determine the lives of millions of people, billions of people, it's inequalities in power and wealth. So the anarchist struggles, the struggle to devolve or share power, possibly through direct democratic means, and the struggle to hold wealth in common and use it for the common good. Very simple concepts. But considering the power which is exercised by those who have an inordinate amount of wealth and an inordinate amount of power, it is a lifelong struggle. Whether we succeed or not is irrelevant. What's relevant is there are sections of the community around the world, irrespective of their cultural backgrounds, language spoken, that want to live in a society without rulers. All right, Merry, 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 Merry Christmas, says the Jolly Fat Guy. Now, let's not forget the Jolly Flat Fat Guy is an imposter. The real Christmas colours aren't red and white. 
They're green and white. It was all about spring. It was about celebrating spring in the Northern Hemisphere and getting gifts at the same time. Green and white. White for the snow, green for the coming spring and the liberty that the sun created for the people of the Northern Hemisphere. But unfortunately, in the late 19th century, Coca-Cola was able to use its colours, the red and white, and impose this imposter on the rest of us. So what has the jolly fat man, the Coca-Cola imposter, what has he been able to deliver to the Australian people in 2023? Corporate welfare. Now, a lot of people think that it's those 33% of Australians on Social Security benefits that are the leaners in the society, and the corporate world are the lifters. They're the ones who create the wealth which ensures it gets distributed to those who lean because they're sick, because they've got disability, because they're unemployed, because they're old, you know type of people you don't want in a really nice society. Remember, all those type of people. Now, I've got some bad news for you. Santa's left us a poison chalice. Because the biggest problem facing Australia today, which contributes to the increasing inequalities that we see in the land of milk and honey, are, is corporate welfare. Corporate welfare, I hear you say. Corporate welfare? Are you hallucinating once again, Joe? You've been taking too many drugs? Well, I'm afraid if you look at it realistically and rationally, not that realism and rationalism has anything to do with 21st century living. I mean, that's a 18th or 15th century concept, realism and rationalism. But let's look at it this way. Corporate welfare comes in many ways. And the most important way it is imposed on the population is through legislation, through Parliament. And we see consistently, although over a million children live in poverty in this country of 25 million people, although housing affordability affordability is a major issue for an increasing number of Australians who cannot afford to enter the private housing market, where a lack of suitable infrastructure becomes an important issue, where access to public health care and public education becomes an increasingly uh, serious matter for an increasing number of Australians, you wonder why. We live in a country that has less than 26 million people. We live in a continent. That's right, a continent. Not an island, like Papua New Guinea and West Papua, to the north of the, the continent, but a continent. We have some of the most productive agricultural land in the world, with a little bit of help from fertilisers, obviously, and chemicals. We have some of the most extensive mineral resources on the planet, resources which are sorely needed by the rest of the world. But we continue to have charities in this country which are raising money to make sure people are fed, people are housed, people are able to access public education, the list goes on and on. 
So how is it so? How is it so? Mimicking Professor Julius Sumner Miller, who's obviously been departed from the earth for many, many years. Well, it's very simple. Corporate welfare. As I said, it comes in many guises. The first one is the ability of the corporate sector, the sector that's too big to fail, to determine the parliamentary agenda in this country, to determine the legislation which goes through Parliament. Because if a government, let's forget about the crappy opposition, but if a government wants to pass legislation which impinges on their power and wealth, all hell breaks loose. We see the corporate-owned media and social media go up in arms about simple things like charging a little bit more tax on people who've got more than $3 million in their superannuation account. The end of the world as we know it in Australia. Maybe getting rid of negative gearing. Oh, tantamount to a Gazan bombing campaign by Israel. It's as if the world would come to an end if we, uh, you know, impinged on their profitability. Now, corporate welfare, as I said, comes in many ways. It comes in the fact that we have taxation laws, which mean only one-third of corporations will pay taxation this year, and most of it will be voluntary taxation. It's not because they're doing anything illegal. I mean, they're, you know, they are legally, they legally, you know, they follow the law. That's why they've got lawyers and accountants, you know, to make sure they don't pay any tax. They can use all those little loopholes which we create in the taxation system to ensure that all those profits go to their major shareholders or possibly are repatriated overseas. I mean, that's another form of corporate welfare. Where over almost 70% of taxation revenue in this country still comes from losers like you and me. Pay as you earn taxpayers. It's taken out before you even see it. You know, when you get your little pay in your little digital account. Extraordinary. And we accept this. Corporate welfare. Now, another form of corporate welfare are direct grants. That's right, direct grants by the taxpayer, you and me, to corporations to provide essential services which have been privatised, given over to the private sector. Then the private sector says, Oh, 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 we're not making enough profit in the aged care sector. Can you help pay our staff? We'll give them a little bit of a wage rise to ensure they continue to work in the aged care sector, but the taxpayer will need to pay it. Or with the COVID payments, oh, you overpaid us? That's all right. You keep it. You know, it's only 20 or 30 or 40 billion dollars. Doesn't really matter in the scheme of things. You keep it. You don't have to give it back. But if you're some poor Social Security beneficiary, I don't mean poor in terms of moral and ethical you know, concerns, but poor in terms of your ability to be pushed around, well, you created an illegal robo-debt scheme to screw you. And at the end of the day, not one bastard involved in that faces prosecution, although people suicide and many people are still recovering from that illegal, that's right, totally illegal ram raid by the Morrison-led federal government. 
a RAM raid which they knew would cause significant damage among Social Security beneficiaries. But at that particular point in time, it suited their political agenda to marginalise people on Social Security benefits as leaners in order to maximise their appeal amongst the rest of the population. As I said, corporate welfare comes in many guises. And one of the best guises is what happens to Australia's mineral resources. Uranium, bauxite, coal, iron ore, lithium, diamonds, gold. Remember, you only own about eight eight inches of soil. The rest belongs to the state. So what does the state do? What do the various states do and what does the federal government do? It gives away the right to exploit those minerals or gas to private corporations for a minuscule payment, hoping against hope that they'll pay some taxes to keep the budget afloat. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine that? Think of it this way. You know, you live in a modest house, which is, you know, about 1.1 million these days, and, you know, some godforsaken hole somewhere in a capital city. That's where 70% of us tend to live. And uh, next door, you've got a large estate with deer, fountains, Versailles like gardens, padlock at the front, security guards. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, there's an oil well in your backyard. You find an oil well. Ooh, you think, I'm rich. But because you're a nice person, what do you do? You give it to the estate next door for a few pence in return. And that's what we've done. Now, if, if I and the Anarchist World this week talked about compulsory nationalisation of this country's mineral resources without compensation, and I had some authority or some political clout, which I don't, the world, the media, the social media hacks would be agog with the audacity of demanding that we, that's right, the Australian people, actually benefited from the resources under the ground. That we would be able to eradicate child poverty. Rest in peace, Bob Hawke, you never did it. That we would be able to introduce a universal basic income. But no, corporate welfare is our motto. We love to see the jolly fat man, the Coca-Cola variety, not the green and white variety, spring into, you know, winter into spring, but the green, the, the red, red and white variety, give away our future, our children's future, and our grandchildren's future to a corporate sector 
that is only interested in maximising profits irrespective of the human, social, environmental cost. A sector that is willing to sell the last ticket on the last train to hell to their ageing grandmother. That's what we're dealing with. And while we have a mentality as a people, as a people, that this is the way forward to allow the corporate sector to dominate our political processes and to allow the corporate sector to dominate our economic viability and our economic future, we will continue to reap the benefits. And the benefits are that every year the Coca-Cola jolly fat man will say to the corporate sector, it's okay, boys and girls, it's okay, boys and girls, we'll look after you. The Australian people love you. They think they need you to survive. And while we believe that, we will continue to eat humble pie, not Christmas pudding. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Play it. Play the podcast at that family picnic on the 25th of December when everybody's had their fill and they're lying about, knowing, not knowing what to do, what game to play. You can always play the Anarchist World This Week podcast, courtesy of 3CR. Go to 3cr.org.au. Now, I have noticed a lot of tear-jerking stories about Israel in the last week. And obviously the Israeli propaganda, military propaganda unit, seems to be getting its act in order. Now, when I look at the Israel-Hamas slaughter, I don't want to use the word war, it's not a war, it's a slaughter, okay? It's a little bit like shooting fish in a barrel. Yeah, it's nothing, nothing... Nothing um, courageous about shooting fish in a barrel. It's like going to a fish farm trying to catch fish because you can't catch them in the real world. So I remember the old biblical adage. Yes, I have read the Bible, the Old and the New Testament, and the Koran and every other religious book on the planet, and I haven't been impressed, to be honest, have not been impressed by our ability to delude ourselves through uh, you know, religious texts. But the good thing about when you read religious texts, it's to some degree, it's the sum, it's the, it's the, it's the knowledge of the period, the sum of the knowledge, and some of these texts make a lot of sense. And when I look at the Israeli Hamas slaughter, I begin to think about the term "reap what you sow," and life's a little bit like that, isn't it? It's a little bit like that. And eventually, not all of us, but some of us, reap what we sow as we get older. And sometimes what we sow hasn't been very pleasant and what's grown up in that patch is not fit for human consumption. See, the Israeli Hamas slaughter didn't start on the 9th of October 2023. There's a long history 
And the way the Israeli people have, not sorry, the way the Palestinian people have been treated by the world, that's right, by the world, has been abhorrent. Totally abhorrent. And the way the people of Gaza have been treated, I think, since 2007, I could be wrong, could be 2009, because they dared to elect Hamas as their representatives in the world's biggest prison, has been something to be shown. Just unbelievable. See, while the Israeli state was busy under its current neo-fascist government trying to expand its settlements in East Jerusalem and the West Bank, it took its eyes off Gaza. More interested in acquiring real estate in East Jerusalem and the West Bank to ensure there will never be, according to the Israeli, current Israeli Defence Minister, a two-state solution to the situation in uh, Israel, they forgot about little Gaza. They forgot about the amount of hatred that had grown in that little speck in the state of Israel. They'd forgotten the humiliations that the people of Gaza had been subjected to for almost 40 years, 20 years. They believed they had the situation in control. Now, when we saw Hamas break out of Gaza on the 9th of October 2023, we saw the biggest failure in the Israeli state security apparatus in the history of the state of Israel. The biggest failure. And to a significant degree, although the deaths which occurred over 1,200 and the hostages which were taken over 300 were solely due to Hamas. The fact is that this occurred because the Israeli state under the current government had taken its eyes off the ball. It believed it was in a position now to drive Palestinians out of East Jerusalem and out of the West Bank and take over those settlements and continue to expand illegal settlements which had now housed over 750,000 Israelis. Total failure of the Israeli security apparatus. When we see the Israeli response in Gaza, a response which is even beginning to turn the stomachs of many Israelis 
And many reservists who are in the Israeli army who are the front line in this slaughter. The fact is, not only are they reaping what they sow, but more importantly, the fact is that the Israeli state, the Israeli government, has totally failed not only the Palestinians, which it occupies, but also its citizens, its own citizens. What we see in Gaza today is a war crime. It's an atrocity directed at civilians. Oh, well, I'm not the only one saying this. Little old me, what would I know? I'm just an idiot. We've got important people like the US president telling us this. You know? And how you justify the destruction of hospitals... Houses, residential blocks, not one or two houses, but residential blocks, mosques, churches. It just goes on and on. And the American government continues to say in the UN, yet, 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 paraphrasing the old Soviet response, the old Soviet Union's response in the United Nations every time they blocked a UN resolution. Yet, yet, yet. Now, there's only, there is a glimmer of hope. Not for the Palestinian people, but there is a, a glimmer of hope in terms of a ceasefire. We've currently seen a turnaround in the Labor government's attitude, that's the federal government's attitude to what's happening in Gaza currently. And the fact is that they voted this time for a ceasefire, humanitarian ceasefire, and have also seemed to have made the decision not to follow their master and send a warship to the Red Sea, it seems like the ALP-led federal government is beginning to understand that tying your apron springs to the US of A is not a position you want to find yourself in because ultimately the USA cares about the USA and I understand that. It is a sovereign nation state. It doesn't really care about anybody else. If it needs to get rid of an ally, it will. Look at the way it treated the Afghan people after 20 years of occupation. Look at the way it behaved in Vietnam, in Iraq. The list goes on and on. The USA is for the USA. And maybe we've seen a glimmer, a little glimmer of hope in terms of an independent Australian foreign policy. Reminds me, not that I was alive then, reminds me of the bad days in 1942 during the Second World War when the Japanese had entered the fray. The uh, Japanese uh, imperial forces were uh, overrunning Papua New Guinea and uh, Broome was bombed, Darwin was bombed, uh, 
the Brisbane line was created. Women and children were evacuated from North Queensland to more southern parts because areas had been bombed. The Torres Strait was being bombed. Horn Island, which is where First Island was being bombed. And guess what? The Prime Minister, Mr Curtin, realised... Hopefully I got the right one. I usually get Curtin and Chifley mixed up. Realised that Australia's crack troops were in North Africa, in Alamein, at Tobruk, and demanded they return to Australia. And fortunately for the Australian people, the Chocos, that's right, the derogatory term, which was used to describe those soldiers who underwent two months training and then were sent up to Papua New Guinea. They were called Chocos because they were expected to melt in the sun, stood their ground, and for the first time since the Japanese entered the war, the Japanese Imperial Forces entered the war, they were halted at Kokoda. And again, it was about an independent foreign policy. Independent foreign policy. It's the only way you can defend this country. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Toscano. A few websites you may be interested in. Public um, public interest before corporate interest, pibci.net. Have a look at the webpage if you're interested. Join up. We're looking for new members all the time. We'd like to be registered as a political party maybe sometime next year. But again, it all depends on membership. So it's up to you at the end of the day. You can continue to hold up your membership card to the somebody should do something about that tribe or the, you know, the uh, I'm going to tribe. Or you can tear up that card and get a public interest before corporate interest membership card. And who knows? Maybe, just maybe, we'll be able to uh, put a dent in that uh, corporate welfare mentality which seems to have uh, enmeshed all of us in Australia in 2023. Uh, you can also, another website, uh, what, um, uh, anarchismedia.org. You can go to uh, Facebook pages, Joseph Toscano, Toscano for the Public. YouTube's public interest before corporate interest, josephtoscano.nam. Look, it just got, it goes on and on and on and on. But the important thing is you can always leave a message on 0439 395 489, 0439 395 489. And if you do write letters, you can always write to Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052, Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You see, the thing about living in Australia, and I've lived here, well, I was born here and, you know, I've lived here all my life and I'm over 70 years, it's the same debate over and over and over and over again. The same tired old solutions are proffered up. They all revolve around the concept, you know, private is good, public is bad. You know, it's a little bit like the United States foreign policy. There are good guys and there are bad guys and the good guys kill the bad guys and the world goes on to allow the corporate sector to dominate every aspect of our existence. Good guys, 
bad guys, but we we're a little bit more sophisticated in Australia. We think there are we go we don't go good guys, bad guys. We, you know we like to think we're a bit of a cut above you know the U.S. foreign policy. We're about public is bad, 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 bad. Private is good, 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 good. That's our motto. Every morning we wake up and if we're lucky we stretch out our arms and jump out, well, crawl out of bed, you know, get ready for a day's work, making a buck for the man or the woman. And we go out singing out the front door after eating our Wheaties. Public is bad, private is good. Public is bad, private is good. Yeah, I finally lost my marbles. Some people thought I lost them years ago. So let's compare public and private. It's a little bit like comparing apples and oranges. You see, a public service is for everybody. It is for everybody. You know, the population, the public. It is for everybody. That's what a public service is about. All those deaths that occurred in the 18th and 19th century where ordinary people forced the ruling classes around the world to accept the premise that the state was not just there to ensure that those who exercise power continue to exercise power in the most brutal fashion, the state also had a responsibility to its citizens. And we saw the introduction of public services, things like a social security system, a public health sector, a public education sector, public infrastructure, the public ownership of essential services like finances, the Commonwealth Bank, our ports, that's right, which have all been privatised, our airports, all privatised, essential services, gas, electricity, water, mostly privatised. Things like as simple as a Commonwealth Serum Laboratory to produce serums, privatised. And then what do we do? What's left of the public sector? It's bad. It is so bad, we are told. And we see pictures. It reminds me of Nazi propaganda pictures when you see Jewish people herded into concentration camps and them taking lovely, you know, films of them showing us how degenerate it all was. It's the same here with the public sector. Oh, it's inefficient. Cost overruns doesn't provide services. Look at those disgusting public housing estates which the state has allowed to run down so it can privatise them. Hmm? So we're consistently told that public is bad and it's inefficient compared to the private sector. Let's, let's, let's look at this, comparing apples and oranges. Let's look at public education and private education. We've just had another report to tell us that public education is underfunded, that the gap between private schools and public schools is expanding, a little bit like the universe, at the rate of the universe is, is expanding. 
And we're told that it's a second-rate education, that you need to send your kiddies to a private school to get a decent education, courtesy of the Australian taxpayer. And the fact is, you're not comparing. You're comparing apples and oranges. The public education sector takes in everybody who presents, or most people that present at its door. It's a public facility for all. The private education sector only takes those kiddies, those lovely little kiddies, whose parents have the disposable income to enjoy the best education money can buy or, through a scholarship program, they like to poach. That's right, they like to poach those kids from the public sector who show a little bit of promise because you wouldn't want them to grow up in a public sector like I did and get a public education like I did and come to some radical position as a youth like I did. What you want to do is you want to inculcate them with the ideology of the ruling classes by stealing the little kiddies and offering them scholarships to be part, part of a private education. Extraordinary. Look at the health. If there is one thing which is important, which has been whittled away, it's the public health system. And any listener who's been sick, irrespective, irrespective of the disasters which can occur in an underfunded and understaffed public house, a public health system, you'll find that if you need emergency care, you will not find yourself, in the majority of cases, in a private sector hospital, which is subsidised through the amount of, to the tune of between seven and eight billion dollars a year of taxpayers' money to the private health insurance sector. It's subsidised, and you compare their figures. You compare the figures of the private hospital sector, the public hospital sector. The public hospital sector has to take anybody who comes through its doors. The private health sector cherry picks who comes through its doors. Not only do you need the resources to access that treatment, but if your condition is a little bit complex, relies on a little bit of extra nursing care, may need a fair bit of intensive care, well, then you shunt it off to the public health sector. So saying the private health sector, which cherry-picks easy elective surgery to maximise its profits, to say you can compare that with a public health sector, which takes everybody who comes through its front door, is lunacy. Let's look at this privatisation mania which has gripped Australia over the last 40 years. Private is good, public is bad. Private enterprise, you know, private investment for private profit. Look at the disasters in the aged care sector. We've had royal commissions after royal commission telling us how difficult things are. I'll give you an example historically. You know, I like a bit of history because there's always lessons to be drawn from history and like I said before, you know, if you are listening to this program, you are in Melbourne 
on uh, December the 20th, which is a Wednesday. You're in Footscray, we're around Footscray. You're welcome to come to the uh, talk I'm doing tonight on um, reviewing the 10 presentations I've done on pivotal moments in 19th century Australian radical history and just review that and see what, it, what effect it has on us. I'll give you an example. When the first fleet came to Australia to begin the colonisation process, which had such a devastating impact and continues to have such a devastating impact on First Nations people, the number of deaths which occurred in, during the trip were minimal. Minimal. The enterprise was funded by the government. The second fleet which arrived was riddled with disease. I think over a third of the uh, convicts had died on the trip. Starvation was rife. Disease was rife. And what was the difference? The second trip was privately funded. Now the thing is, when you turn a public asset into a private asset, or when you're a public service into a private service, you add a third person to the bedroom. I know you're getting a bit excited when I'm talking about a ménage à but it's one of those messy ménage à Because that third person in the bedroom demands to make a profit from the encounter. And we see this in the aged care sector. We see this in, in terms of essential services, whether it's telecommunications, whether it's electricity, whether it's gas. We see it. Just extraordinary. So we continue to follow the same adage, comparing apples and oranges, denigrating the public sector. For example, and I, mean, and I talk about this every week, and obviously it's boring, but you know, politics is about revision. Public housing. Simple solution to the public housing crisis. Increase public housing stocks. Increase competition between the private and public sector. Decrease rents. Decrease prices. Simple capitalist economics. The type they don't want to hear about, obviously, because it means real competition. But is public housing on anybody's lips today who's in authority? No. Social housing, affordable housing... You name it, they got a name for it, but it's not publicly owned or publicly managed. It's as if we're happy to, you know, get anybody who wants to make a buck involved. Look at the disaster in the NDIS with the rorting that's going on. Looking at the rorting that's going on in the Australian Defence Forces. 50% of people in the public service are actually private company employees in the Australian Defence Forces. Look at all the reports that come out about how the private financial sector has shafted the Australian people via the contracts they've received from successive Australian governments which have privatised the most basic, basic elements of Australian society. Extraordinary. All right, you're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Oscar, and I'm hosting today's program. Program is podcast. Play it at your Christmas party. Play it at your New Year's Eve party. I'm sure you'll get, you'll be, you'll, you'll be uh, loved by the people you love. 
you can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Now, the, jo- the jolly fat man, the red and white variety, not the green and white variety, the, you know, the winter to, you know, the spring. Now, I all, I know you're all wedded to your superannuation, and those of you that got superannuation, I know you love it. You love to see that balance at the end of the year or every six months when you get your little tick and you go, wow, oh, isn't that exciting? Look at all the money I've made by exploiting other people. Hmm? Well, that's not just the issue, is it? What's superannuation? It's the privatisation of old age. You pay for your old age. Very simple. You pay for your old age. And superannuation in this country is the biggest con since Coca-Cola kidnapped the jolly fat man and took off his green and white uniform and put a red and white uniform on him. I'll tell you why. You see, superannuation is what I call inverse exploitation. Now, if you work part-time, if you take time off because you've had some kids, if you've got elderly parents you're looking after, you don't get superannuation. If you're on a poorly paid job, you're lucky to get superannuation, but it's not much. But if you earn hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, pushing a pen somewhere, or, sorry, a mouse these days, um, or get your PA, your personal attendant, to push the mouse, why would you want to push your own mouse? Um, You can put hundreds of thousands every year in your little superannuation fund, and you can get a tax deduction. And when you reach that ripe old age where you can access your superannuation, you can buy your yacht and get your toy boy or toy girl to accompany you on your yacht while you leave your partner behind. Why would you want to take your partner with you when you've got a toy boy or a toy girl? Courtesy of the Australian superannuation system. So it's an inverse system. Those people who pay their taxes, work hard, obey the laws, you know, the idiots in, the, in Australia, people like you and me, when it comes to our superannuation payout, it doesn't even cover the amount of time we find ourselves on planet Earth. But if you've led an unethical life, you've made your fortune by exploiting other people, well, you get rewarded. Rewarded big time by the taxation system, and you have the, you live the life of Riley when you when you retire. Now, if you really want a, a system which ensures that everybody has a decent income, well, then you introduce a universal basic income. That means everybody, yeah, the billionaires, the Gina Reinhardt's of the world, and the people on social security benefit get a living wage, and the Gina Reinhardt's of the world lose that living wage through a taxation system, sure it keeps that back. It removes the whole social security system, ensures everybody has that. And how do you do that? Joe, they say, you're dreaming. Well, you could nationalise without compensation this country's national resources, but no, that's a step too far away, all right? 
not the type of thing you'd like to do. You don't want to upset those corporate folk. What you could do, you could introduce a 1% financial transaction tax, which excludes first home buyers and financial transactions are under $5,000 for every financial transaction which is conducted in this country. And considering that most financial transactions are now conducted on the internet, it doesn't take much twigging of the net to ensure that 1% goes ka-ching, 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 straight to the Treasury. You could, you could, you know, you could raise three to $400 billion a year, enough for a universal basic income for everybody. You don't need this super, uh, superannuation crap. You don't need all these taxation breaks. You don't need a massive social security system, you know. You can get those public servants to do some real work. I'm a... I'm sure they do real work now, but do some productive work, not just supervising or giving out contracts. All right, let's move on. A few more positive things. I'd just like to remind people the West Papuan struggle continues. And if you are interested in joining the West Papuan Rent Collective, you can do that and go to the website or you can leave a message on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489 and uh, we will um, sort that out for you. Remember, the West Papuan struggle has been going on as long as the Palestinian struggle. The West Papuan struggle is 70 kilometres from the Australian border. The Indonesian armed forces have been trained and armed in counterinsurgency techniques on Australian soil by successive Australian governments. So, in many ways, we're just as... Um, what's the word? Implicit? Nah. We're just as just as guilty as the Americans are in Gaza, as far as the West Papua struggle is concerned. But ordinary people, people like you and me, we can actually ensure they continue to have an office. You can join the West Papua Rent Collective, a dollar a day. Or you can just make a contribution. Every penny that goes to the West Papuan Rent Collective goes to pay the rent, so they have an office. There are only two West Papuan offices in the whole world, believe it or not, to um, promote West, the West Papuan independence struggle. So it's a good Christmas present you can give yourself or a New Year present. Now, here we go again, panic stations. Now, some Mr Ben Bricker has been released. Now... Many of you will not remember Ben Bricker. I do. If there's any PhD candidate out there who's interested in a topic, can I recommend a topic? Because this is an untold Australian story that needs to be told. The involvement of the Australian Security Services in the little Ben Bricker gang and how the Australian Security Services acted as agent provocateurs. And the fact now that he's been released, we see the coalition jumping on the, uh, the bandwagon. Horror, horror, horror. Mass killer released. Well, have a look at those transcripts. If you're a PhD candidate, give me a ring, because this is a fascinating area that needs to be explored, which was only partially explored during the trial. The role of the Australian Security Services 
in pushing the little Ben Bricker group into planning the actions they did. I'm sure there'd be a lot of fascinating material out there that's been embargoed for 70 years, but a good, good, good investigative reporter would be able to sort it out in terms of a lovely little PhD thesis, a lovely book. You'd be doing all of us a great service. Because remember, the same laws which were introduced that put Ben Bricker and his crew in jail are the same laws they can now use to put you in jail. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week. I'd just like to remind people who live in Melbourne, who will be in Melbourne on Saturday the 20th of January, that's Saturday the 20th of January 2024, about the Tundaminawaya Marlborough Hearing Commemoration, which will be held in Melbourne at the corner of Victoria and Franklin Street. We'll talk more about that next week, but just put it in your diary, bring the kids along. It's a, uh, you know, I've always said the 20th of January should be First Nations Freedom Fighters Day. Um, you know, these gentlemen were hung for resisting white colonisation. First people hung in the state of Victoria. Well, it was part of New South Wales then, if you want to be technically correct. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. You can write to me, yes, I still answer letters, at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office, Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. And if you want to help public interest before corporate interest, please send stamps, $1.20 stamps, to Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. It's one way you can make our 2024 a productive one, maybe the, the year that uh, public interest before corporate interest can be registered as a political party initially in Victoria and finally federally. You can websites... Uh, public Interest Before Corporate Interest, PIBCI, PIBCI.net. YouTube channels, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest. Facebook pages, Public Housing Everybody's Business. Another another Facebook page, another um, web page, anarchismedia.org. Uh, other Facebook page, Joseph Toscano, Toscano for the Public. YouTube channel, josephtoscano.net. Look, it goes on and on and on. You can always leave a message on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. I'd like to thank all those people uh, in the Community Radio Network that have, uh, have, have done all the Hard work to ensure that the Anarchist World this week is broadcast across Australia uh, to multiple community radio stations across the country. That's right, multiple community radio stations across the country. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Next week's program will be pre-recorded. We'll be doing a wrap-up of 2023. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station courtesy of the community radio network listening next week and next year to the anarchist world this week and tear up that's right 
tear up your membership card to the Gunner Tribe, and that somebody should do something about that. Somebody should do something about that tribe. Listen in next week on your local community radio station. Evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death's construction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, larger! Public transport's great. What's not great is that unless you've got a radio with you, you can't listen to a 3CR when you're on it. Until now. The Community Radio Plus app lets you listen to us wherever you are. Get on board and search Community Radio Plus wherever you get your apps. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.